up, y'all? I'm Scott. I'm Shate, and we're the Hazes. Welcome to the Love Haze Podcast, where we believe that healing and wholeness are not just destinations. That's right. We believe they're a journey, y'all. And here on the Love Haze, we talk about how to navigate through it. That's right. Well, we do a lot of talking here about grown folks' business. A lot of it. But today, we want to acknowledge that all of us were once children. Mm -hmm. And from time to time, the children that we were can show up. Yep. They can show up in our relationships and our everyday lives. And we want to talk a little bit about how to love on those kids that are inside of us when they show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, welcome to our Black Love Journey. Yeah. Let's get right into it. Let's go. Let go. Well, people, reparenting our inner child. This comes up in therapy, in our therapy sessions from time to time. Um, our amazing therapist, who y'all know we talk about all the time, <laughs> uh, almost every single episode, um, because we're on our own healing journeys as well, right. um, mentions to us like reparenting our inner child. I know it comes up for you in your sessions quite mm-hmm. a bit as well, and you've, you're doing a good job of, of honoring the recommendations that come from therapy, but what where does, what does it mean, I guess, to have an inner child? Uh, what does it mean to do that work? I know it's sometimes called shadow work also. Mm-hmm. Um, inner child work is really more about like um, tapping into the smaller version of you who um, kind of was uh, taught to repress a lot of things that that we felt like were childlike. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think so much as children, we focus on like the growing up part of it. Mm-hmm. And so much of that growing up depends on us like having to um, biblically say, like put away childish things, right? But there are some parts of our, our childhood um, that we were not allowed to discover. Yeah. Uh, we were talk so much about rules and regulations and not being free to do all these things that, you know, children are allowed to do. Um, And that inner child work is like kind of going back and going on this new journey of self-discovery and kind of looking at um, some of those things that you didn't get a chance to like fully explore, looking at what your inner child was told, like, no, 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 that's bad. No, 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 you can't do that. Going back and look at looking at some of those things and seeing how you can re-explore those things and seeing if there's some work to be done around like freeing the smaller you to be able to explore who you wanted to be, the things that you wanted to do, that mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah. Also, especially when folks have uh, traumas from their childhood mm-hmm. that could be repressed or like our surface. I want to read this thought from, mm-hmm. I found a site online, y'all, Big Self School. Um, it says, inner child work is any form of self-discovery that helps you access the child you once were, along with the experiences and emotions that child was taught to repress, just like you were just saying. Mm-hmm. The general idea of inner child work is that if you make an effort to contact, listen to, and communicate and nurture your inner child, you can find and heal the roots of your issues as an adult. I think that's really powerful because if you think about, um, speaking of like our, one of our most recent episodes where we're like, the decisions we make today, we're bringing past wounds. But I know mm-hmm. in the context of that conversation, we were talking about past wounds like that we had as an adult. But there's this whole world of like childhood wounds that color Absolutely. how we make our decisions or even small things like we were talking about differences in, in how uh, you were raised that show up in your marriage, for example, um, 
talking about how much detergent did you use me or right. did or did mm-hmm. y'all use a towel every day, a new mm-hmm. towel every day in the house? I'm like, mm-hmm. a new towel every day? We got a closet mm-hmm. full of linen, a uh, uh, linen closet full of towels, and they're all gone. It's like, right. where, <laughs> where are the towels and how? But like all of that is interesting how, yeah, your childhood mm-hmm. just kind of shows up in your adult life. It does, and it's always like based on something, right? It's based on like your parents and how mm-hmm. they were raised and their value system and how that mm-hmm. was instilled into you. Some of it is based on like scarcity. Even if you yeah. think about like how much detergent we use, <laughs> yeah. you know, when I was growing up and it was me and two sisters and my dad in the house, like, why are you using all that detergent? Your mom, yeah. Right. Like you had to learn how to stretch things and, you know, we just, we didn't do that, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, marrying into a relationship with you being like, Using all these doggone towels, and <laughs> you're not using enough detergent. And what are you doing? Like having to get used to that. Even for me, like making a bed every day. Like I'm not making a bed every day to get right back in it. I will say that making a bed actually came from like adulthood. I didn't start doing that until I went to college, mm. and I was like, oh, my friends like come to my dorm room every day, and I want my room to be a certain way. So that was actually an adult mm. thing because when I was growing up in our household, people were not making beds every day. Mm-hmm. I think maybe they do now. Well, not my brother, but. (laughs) (laughs) It's a brother on blast like that. And so I know for me, like, you know, uh, a lot of this like therapy work um, that I'm being tasked to do around like loving more on my inner child has to do with like a whole bunch of like um, feeling like I I think what some people refer to as like a middle child syndrome, but I, I have like some trauma around it. Oh, that's interesting. So I had, you know, older sister yeah. who I feel like, you know, my parents were, she was three years ahead of me. I felt like my parents were always like preparing for her for like junior year, senior mm-hmm. year, all that kind of stuff. And they're like, well, we can't get you these things because we got to do this stuff for her senior year. And your turn is coming, your turn is coming. And then got into my junior and senior year. And then I had a little sister that was coming up behind me and they were like, well, you know, you're coming into manhood now. You need to learn how to do these things on your own. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to do that for you because my dad had his own value system around like what it meant to raise a boy into mm-hmm. a man. Mm-hmm. And so when I finally thought that it was my turn, it was kind of like, um, nah, uh, yeah. we're not doing that. Yeah. You know, you need to learn how to get it on your own, that type of thing. And a lot of the therapy work that I'm having to do now has to do with like, Looking at that little kid that was in me who uh, I feel like was told no mm-hmm. a lot and, and having to get into that. So, um, can I reveal how it shows up in adult yeah, sure. life if you're comfortable <laughs> with it? Yes. And so now, as an adult, you've like learned to like, I'm not going to ask anybody for mm-hmm. anything, I'm going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. If even if you ask me to do something one time and I haven't gotten around to it, you're not going to ask me a second time. You're just like going to go ahead and do it. And it really has like, yeah, taught you to to not really ask or expect anything from people to the point mm-hmm. where when you get things from people, you're like, I'm working on how to receive this. Like, Because mm-hmm. you legitimately don't know how to receive it. I mean, that's true. Mm-hmm. I'm getting better. You are. You are. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that's how it, it shows up for us. And I, I think, you know, um, we're going to talk a little bit more about how these inner child things kind of show up in our adulthood. Mm-hmm. But that's what it is. What what we 
the reason why we do the work of therapy in those mm-hmm. in those realms is because a lot of the injuries from our childhood coming into adulthood, what we're really trying to do is protect that little kid in us that nobody else really protected. Or is the little kid trying to protect us? Is it the other way around? Do you know I, what I mean? I think it kind of goes both ways. And so I think a part of the work that we're tasked with doing is like going back and you know, speaking to the, the smaller you, mm-hmm. telling the smaller you that it's going to be okay, that you can take chances on this side and that you're going to be protected. Yeah. And the smaller you knowing that, you know, you're worth it. Like, it's going to be okay. You're worthy, you know? So the second part of this is like, how does it impact our, our lives mm-hmm. uh, as we grow up, as we come into adulthood? So what what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, some of the ways we just mentioned, right. In terms of like how you receive, I think it's like, um, I don't know if this is like the inner child, I guess I'm trying to understand how to separate, um, inner child. Is that the same thing? It's just the things that we learned as we were growing, you know, like, so I guess inner child work, I'm trying to does it have to be a trauma, like a major negative thing that's happened? Or is this just like how you learn to operate in the world based it's, on like your upbringing? That's what it is. It's it's how you learn to show up in the world. Okay. So I have another quote from the same mm-hmm. uh, site. We'll uh, link this on our website if anyone wants to take a look. Um, in terms of impacting our adult lives, it says the inner child often gets activated when you're faced with challenges that remind you of a traumatic childhood memory until you consciously process and integrate those memories. Your child self is calling the shots in terms of that. And I have to dig a little deeper about how it's showing up for me personally. But in terms of that inner child calling the shots um, could be like how you respond to conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, are you good? Do you receive feedback? Well, Ooh, let me stop there. That is something I had to actually realize. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I, I hate to say it, but I think my whole family can do a little work around receiving feedback. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that until I became an adult and I was like, Oh, I don't actually really receive feedback. Well, I get defensive. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because it's kind of what I, saw or learned I get defensive instead of just kind of taking it for what it is you don't get me wrong I could take it from some places but generally speaking it's like the feedback was like there I learned this and I know I learned this growing up um like this whole like perfectionism like just kind Mm -hmm. of perform to not perform as like not show the real me but like meet the expectations perform in that way meet the expectations of good grades of like doing well and all the things that I do um not making any not causing a lot of trouble you know Mm -hmm. like I did teenagery stuff where you know some phone late and I would oh fits because I didn't want to wash the dishes but other other than that I wasn't like sneaking out the house or Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean so um so what what I will acknowledge is that I differ from this definition um, because I believe that it's about more than trauma. Mm, I believe that it's mm-hmm. about more than stuck places. I believe very much what you just said that some of it is about learned behavior. You learn behavior, exactly. and it is about like how my mother was passive aggressive with my father, mm. right? So when my father would be fussing and cussing and doing doing all those things, when he would turn his back, he would be behind the back, like shooting the bird, and you know, doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, doing you know, being very passive but not confrontational. 
So, you know, my dad always kind of, you know, led the house with like his voice. Yeah. You know, and it, you could going into adulthood, adulthood, seeing her be passive aggressive. What it, what I really learned later on was that there was something that she wanted to say back. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, she did not feel strong enough to say it back to him. Mm-hmm. What it taught us as children was that we didn't question my dad's authority. Mm. He could be wrong as all get out. But because my father was the lead, you did not question his authority. You did not give him any pushback. Yeah. And that wasn't traumatizing for me. It was the way that I learned to show up in the world as his son. Yeah. But it also helped me learn to be like passive and not, even though my dad was teaching me how to be a man, most of the challenges that me and my dad had after I started to become 16, 17, 18 was that I could not reconcile how he was saying not never let a man disrespect you, but then he was disrespecting me. Mm-hmm. And so there will be runaways and move outs and I'm going to stay with somebody else because those things didn't add up for me, mm. you know, and I had showed up for so long as passive and just willing to be under his rule that um, I I chose to do something different. So I chose to I chose to show up differently, like for me, because I had to reconcile like how to do that as a man and how to grow into my own person mm-hmm. uh, and not just be under somebody's rule. Mm-hmm. And so that that was a lot for me. And there was also a portion of me who was like defending the little me mm-hmm. that he always ruled over, that he always whooped. And he always like when I didn't obey the rules, there was like punishment. Mm-hmm. And so coming into a adulthood, like you ain't whooping me no more. We going to fight. Mm-hmm. You know, but there was a that smaller me that I was defending the little me. Yeah. But back to the perfectionism that I was mentioning, it kind of loops back to the feedback in that you work so hard to perform to a certain at a certain level, then you get feedback that there is some something lacking in some area. And it's it's almost like that's where the not enoughness comes from. Like, mm-hmm. why, how dare you have something to say when I'm I'm doing all of these other things right. correctly? And so, oh, then it's not I'm not enough mm-hmm. because I'm getting feedback on this other thing, mm-hmm. right? So it's all it is all very much mm-hmm. learned behavior, whether it be seeing how your parents communicate and interact, how the like the rules of engagement of your nuclear family, and then you just take those with you. Um, about the world, which kind of brings us into like, what's the haze? And I know I use this answer often, but it really is the truth. The haze of, I think, reparenting your inner child is like, if you don't have the awareness that that's even a thing, you can't even, I think, begin to reparent. Like, what if I didn't notice that I was having issues receiving feedback or that I was performing at a, uh, you know, for acceptance and uh that also probably was keeping like a real vulnerable side of me away from people that were like all right. of, if I didn't know all of those things were a thing mm-hmm. how can I address them you know right um I think the haze for me uh has been like not demonizing my parents mm, that's so interesting. you know sometimes when you are unlearning relearning it is that you know this other thing was wrong. Yeah. And to some extent, you know, some of what my parents taught me was wrong, but 
for a lot of it, what I have to, uh, and I know I have to have a conversation with my mom after she sees this, like it wasn't anything wrong with the way that they were parenting, right? Um, I always have to bring myself back to center with understanding that people are doing the best with that the information they that they yeah, have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I believe that that my father, as mean as he was, he had a whole bunch of stuck places around underachieving. And his own know, worth. And, and, and his, his own, own worth and not having his father in his life because his father passed away and, you know, dashed hopes and dreams of his own, you know. And I think that he was not able to give me like great feedback when I graduated from undergrad. He was not able to give me great feedback when I graduated with my master's because he always felt like I need to be pushing him to the next level. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, what he missed in those moments was an opportunity to like celebrate me where I was in that moment. And what was missed for younger Scott was that, you know, and it took me back to the work that I had to do was like my dad was this big time baseball player Mm -hmm. and growing up as a kid. Everybody in our community thought I was going to be, you know, him mm-hmm. and live out his dream. Negroes treated like treated me like I was going to be Ken Griffey Jr. <laughs> and I had absolutely no interest <laughs> in like for real playing sports, not like for real playing baseball. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to the league. Hell, I didn't want to play Babe Ruth when I was 13. <laughs> like I wanted to be doing other things, mm-hmm. you know, and ideally. I would have liked for for my parents and the people in our community to be able to say, well, he's going to school, but they wanted me to be this big time athlete. And little Scott just always felt like he wasn't doing good enough, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. I didn't have this interest in baseball. I wasn't yeah. good at football. I wasn't good at all these things that my dad was good at. My dad played all the sports. Yeah. And was, good at, was good at all of and them. And was great at all of them. And I played. Two of the sports, and I sucked at both of them. <laughs> but you were manager, babe, of the, the football team. <laughs> that was after I got to high school. But, you know, growing up, I just didn't have any interest in those things. You have the smarts. But the the responsibility that we have and the haze of it, of it all for me is, like, I want to take those experiences and not demonize my parents, but use those experiences to be sure that when our children come along, we give them the permission to explore whatever it is that they're interested in and set some structure for them to be able to like be committed to whatever it is that you choose to have a not quit attitude to, you know, have the freedom though, to explore whatever it is that's going to make you the best you. Yeah. I was just thinking that was interesting. You say that when our kids come along, cause I was thinking as we were having this conversation, like, but I think, Parents, generally speaking, there are exceptions to this, really are doing what they think is the best for their children. Do you know what I mean? Like they're doing not just like the best with who they are at the time. I think most parents make choices in the best of what they think is the best interest Mm -hmm. of their child. Yet here we come, our own individuals with our own thoughts and our own, you know, even feelings about the world, I guess, even at a young age, and they somehow turn into stuck places or learnings that don't serve us well. Mm-hmm. And so there's, yeah, I was thinking like, gosh, when we have our own kids, I think we're going to be doing what we think is our very best and what's mm-hmm. right for the kids, but then they're going to have their, their own, own stuck places. And that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of, it's almost like a damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of feeling like mm. no matter how hard you try, cause you can't protect anybody, any being from like, 
any kind of trouble. The challenges we go through in life actually make us who we become. So even though they're not our favorite, like I love who I am and who I'm becoming. Mm -hmm. I love who you are and who you're becoming. And what we've gone through in our, in our youth, our childhood, wherever, all throughout life has made us like Mm -hmm. brought us to this point. So there's something to say about appreciating those things, but it's kind of like, I agree with you. Yeah. And I, I think it requires a certain level of reframing. Right. So when you reframe and I often refer to this as like zooming out, being able to see the bigger picture, mm-hmm. like all of those things that I experienced as little Scott, all of the stuck places, all of the traumas, you know, they were um, a part of shaping me into the man that I uh, mm-hmm. am becoming, mm-hmm. the man that I have become. Mm-hmm. And without those experiences, I would not be this great person that I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thank, I thank my parents mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I don't have to demonize them behind it. My children will have their own stuck places that will help them become the people that they are. As recently as last night, uh, we were talking about like uh, something around like, what what do we want our children to know three quality top three qualities you would want your children to have right and even the experiences that i have had have shaped you know the top three qualities that i want my children to have mm-hmm. like i want my kids to be able to communicate and say the thing mm-hmm. i want my kids to be folks who are you know who are able to love and receive love and uh i want my kids to just be folks who accept other people who for who they are mm-hmm. you know those are all ideals that I think that little Scott needed, mm. you know, when mm-hmm. he didn't have it. Mm-hmm. So I want to be sure that we give that to our children. Now, what I have to recognize and what I have to reconcile for myself is that those are my values that I'm yeah. going to be instilling into my yeah. children that are based on my own traumas and yeah. my stuff places. So all parents want to give their children what they didn't have. Yep. Right. Yep. And so we are doing that, but the recognition and, and where I hope that I don't, fight with my children around is when they say, actually, that's not what I need. Or I disagree. Yeah. I was just thinking about that. Um, Also shout out to the love languages game, like deck of, there's a deck of cards you can pull out and it has all these questions that you can be asking your partner or your friends. And Um, Shate brings them with us on date nights. (laughs) And that's what we do at the table while we're waiting on our food. Um, I was just thinking like, how is there an exploration or is there a way to make sure that your child has everything that they need to like thrive in life, but then also allow them to like tell you, do you know what I mean? Like to observe, like what, what are the things that my child is gravitating towards? What are their perspectives around the world? Even at this young age, how do I validate that perspective and not just be like, Oh, you would check us when we were growing up. I was like, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're talking about. It's just right. a child. Stay right. In child's place. right. Mm-hmm. So how do we honor those perspectives even as young age and nurture them and grow and how, one thing we talk about often, we have the privilege, I think, of of trying this with our kids. But when we were growing up, for example, if you made a mistake, let's say you spilled a glass of milk or you messed up something on the couch, that was like licensed for an ass whooping, right? Like, mm-hmm. but the yeah. the experience back then was like not everyone in our community had like could afford like maybe they just worked their way up to this nice couch that you didn't spill mm-hmm. something on, or we just bought this nice house and you didn't hear like. Mm-hmm. messing shit up. And so then we would get whoopings for things that were just like really what children do. Mm-hmm. And so I read th- this passage somewhere. I can't remember what book it was, but it was like someone's parent, like they spilled something or were trying to like pour something out of the fridge, for example. 
they spilled it and kind of felt like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get in trouble or I can't believe I did that. And the parent came over and was like, well, now you know how not to do it. So let's figure out a way for you mm-hmm. to do it. And I was like, oh, that's such an evolved way mm-hmm. of parenting when our instinct, because of how we were raised, would probably be to like, you're in trouble, clean it up, like da 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 da. But for example, when our nephew was here trying to get the water and he's like spilling all the water off the filter, and I was like, okay, somebody needs to teach him how to use the water filter. Like, mm-hmm. how would he know how to use it? So then it was a moment to go over and be like, okay, when you use it, this is how you do it. Um, I didn't forget the whole train of thought, but the point is, <laughs> like, you know, there are things that, to your point about demonizing our parents and or the haze of that. There are all these nuances, I think. At the end of the day, they really were just doing the best that they could mm-hmm. with who they were, with their upbringing, their traumas, mm-hmm. as you said. And I think we have an opportunity when our babies come here, God willing, that we we can do things differently. Mm-hmm. And hope, hopefully we will create the space where they can give us the feedback for what they need to mm-hmm. a- as we guide them. Mm-hmm. But irregardless, <laughs> they will have their own stuck places they just will. because life is going life. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and to bring you back to your point, the question that you asked was like, how do we make certain that we don't, you know, um, like hold our kids basically to these impossible standards mm-hmm. or that we give them the freedom uh, to explore. And I think, you know, there, there is no certainty, mm-hmm. you know, you do the best that, that you can, you make sure that, um, you know, you give the kids the the you give your kids the the love and the encouragement mm-hmm. and those things that you feel like you didn't have, but also you al- you allow them to speak and you hear their voice and you you know uh, give them feedback mm-hmm. that provides them with freedom to grow yeah. and to learn mm-hmm. and to you know err and correct the thing that you were saying about our nephew. Um, there's a part of me that's want to be like, boy, mm-hmm. you know. Stop doing all of that, mm-hmm. you know, and not stop, stop. rolling around on the floor. Right. <laughs> not just stop, but learn how, learn when, mm-hmm. learn where. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going outside. This is a place where you can do all the rolling around that you want to do without, like, knocking things down. But I still want you to have fun. I want you to learn that there's a time and there's a place and that, you know, you need to value spaces and those types of things. But giving them the freedom to be able to learn what it is that they want to do, to be able to go to the park and skip rocks and do whatever and run wild and all those things. But, you know, to have some structure, but to have a freedom to explore who they are to become as human beings. Mm -hmm. But also for me, what what I hope that I'm able to do as a parent is to not own whatever their stuck places are mm-hmm. because their stuck places are theirs. Yeah. I want to be as um, least responsible for any trauma mm-hmm. as I can, mm-hmm. but understand that as a as a small human being, my children will have their own um, stuck places as they're coming into the people that they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And my hope is that I'll be able to support them around those stuck places yeah, and be able to help them find words to put to those things. Yeah. Maybe when they're in their early twenties, as opposed to being in their forties yeah, and having missed so much of life because they're scared. I don't want my kids to be scared. To be scared so much either. of the life that I haven't lived has been because I've been scared to and thought fear. that. Right. I was taught fear and I was also taught, um, that's not manhood. Mm. I've taught so much about putting away childish things 
you know, and, and that kind of leads us into the next part of this. Right. So um, it is how have you begun reparenting your inner child? Mm. I have thoughts. Can I say just one story real quick mm-hmm. and just bring me back to that question? The What you're just saying reminds me of, um, you know, I started reading The Subtle Art not, of Not Giving a Fuck. And in this book, and I don't know if this story is true, but as it's presented, I think it's like the, the backstory of Buddha. I've not done any research on it. So I thought, oh, this is interesting. But uh, apparently the story goes that there was this really, really wealthy parent who gave his son everything. So mm-hmm. I don't know if it was like the, the man was like a king and this was a prince, right? And he had everything that he needed, abundance, riches, like wanted for nothing. Um, let's say within, and now this is just my interpretation, my own words, but not <laughs> my, the visualizations that came was like, he's inside this, you know, like palace walls and mm-hmm. has everything that he needs, but is somehow unfulfilled. It's like, there's gotta be more to life. I know no suffering mm-hmm. leaves father's riches and like um vows to only like live like the the most meager means mm-hmm. is that the right word my vocab mm-hmm. is slipping me and then has this whole other life of suffering because he doesn't have enough mm-hmm. and then i think comes to the understanding that life is about balance that there will be challenges or struggle Either way, whether you have everything that you wanted or whether Mm -hmm. you have nothing at all, but there is peace and challenge and love to be found in both of those situations and gratitude. Um, And I don't know if that's the real backstory, but I I imagine that wouldn't be printed if (laughs) if it wasn't. That's really interesting and kind of the essence of what we're saying. We're going to try our damnedest to make sure that the our children have, you know, opportunities to be who they are, be who, who they came here to be. While us guiding them through structure, um, according to what we've learned to work for mm-hmm. us, yet they will still they will still yeah. experience some version of of stuck places and mm-hmm. things like that. Um, in terms of how I've begun parenting my inner child, doesn't Re-parent. feel reparenting doesn't feel as cool as some of the things that you've done. I'm excited <laughs> for you to share. <laughs> But um, things that I've done when I've known that I've had a stuck place, and again, this is not because I knew to do it. I, was, I had the guidance of a therapist. So um, I've written a letter to a younger version of myself, letters, plural, like the choices you made were right for you at the time, and I love mm-hmm. you and I honor you. I've visualized my younger self, and, and I've repeated I love you, Shate, and like visualized myself giving her hugs. Um, tiny things that I'm really proud of. Like I've always admired cookie jars and now we've got a really cute <laughs> Mason jar full of cookies that I'm happy about. I used when to, it's full. Yes. Um, <laughs> I used to really admire my auntie's vanity tray. She always had a ton of perfumes and perfume samples and jewelry. And then I had a cousin who had makeup. I just, I was a little girl. I was like seven and she was in her twenties and like her makeup was just everything. And now I have a vanity tray that has, doesn't have a ton of makeup because I'm more of a natural, you know, makeup vibe person, but I have tons of nail polishes and jewelries and perfumes. And like those things really make me feel like I'm a grown up who's made it. <laughs> and they're the, they're the tiniest, tiniest yeah. things. But share yours because they're really, really like. So she take things mine are cool, but mm-hmm. I have my times and I think like they're not as cool. They are. But, um, 
So if, if y'all follow me on social media, y'all know uh, last Christmas I gave finally gave myself permission to get myself a toy train, mm-hmm. uh, something that I had always wanted as a kid and something that my parents would just never get me mm-hmm. and never um, felt like we needed it. Um, I would say things like we couldn't afford it, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, going to therapy, talking to the therapist, she was like, why are you going through this with like not getting yourself this thing that you want? And I remember seeing it pop up on Amazon. And I was like, I'm thinking about getting a train to go around the tree. So for years and years and years, I never let myself get the train because I was like, this is childish mm-hmm. and grown. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, I, I got a Christmas tree and I'm, you know, I don't need to put anything around it except gifts. Like, I didn't have an excuse of having my nephew or anybody here to get this toy train, but you know, finally, like going through the therapeutic process and really like speaking to like seven, eight year old Scott who really just wanted this thing and being able to allow myself to like have it, you know, without any repercussions. Even without. I was like, just get the train. Yeah, but it, it wasn't that it wasn't that simple for me. Mm-hmm. And so more recently, um, I got a remote control car. It's super cool, y'all. And I'm, shout out to Kerwin Tanner. Yeah, so I'm. Telling my my boy, yeah, um, you know about the work that I'm doing in therapy. He and I having to get together and just kind of chopping it up about life. And I'm telling him that I'm, you know, I have this therapy assignment to get myself, um, not necessarily a remote control car, but I have to do something that I enjoy that's just for me. Uh, and I had to make a list of the things that I, you know, was potentially thinking about what that would be because what I've learned about being uh, a man is that you work, you know, you provide, you cook for your family, you do all those things that men are supposed to do. Um, you can watch football, mm-hmm. but like being out going to play, you know, I'm not even a video game person. I don't do any of those things. I don't play no games. And, you know, to defend that, sometimes I make jokes. I'm mm-hmm. saying, like, I don't even play the radio at night, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that type of thing. But honestly, I've always wanted to have a, a remote control car. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this whole community of like um, people who do like RC cars, like big RC cars. But long story short, I have been looking, searching for the remote control car, put it in my car on Amazon and just kept on looking at it. And I'm like, no, nah, it's not the right time. I'll get it later. And I know when I go back to see this therapist, she's going to be like, did you get the car? And no, uh, but having not done it, Telling my boy about it, and a box shows up to the house the other day, and I unbox it, and I think it. I thought it was Shatay. I feel sad that it wasn't me, actually. <laughs> but it ended up being him, having heard the story and all of those things he sent. He sent it to me, and even in that, I was just like, "Man, why would you do this?" Like, you know, and that goes back to your your um, you calling me out about not really being able to receive. But I unboxed this car. I charged it. It was probably 7 p.m. in the nighttime. We Dust all went outside. outside. <laughs> you know, me, my wife, and my nephew went outside. And I raced this car up and down the street. You're and opening my wife, it to the sewer. <laughs> I, I was able to save it, though. <laughs> but my wife was able to film me and take some pictures of me. And just the smile that I had on my face, I just couldn't stop smiling. And the thing is, um. And I know I'm have to process this in therapy is that I learned to repress that part of me really quickly, mm. you know, 
I was a little boy who was supposed to be looking out for my sister. Sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, was supposed to, you know, you you a boy, you take the trash down. You mm-hmm. a boy, you you cut grass. You a boy, you do this. You know, you don't you don't cry. You don't um, be upset about things that you can't get. We're not getting you that because you don't need to be spoiled. Mm-hmm. You know, just my, my father's own values and my parents' own values about what they thought it looked like to raise a boy into manhood. And what little Scott really needed was like a chance to explore, maybe not football, but being a person who really liked gadgets. Mm-hmm. You know, and to this day, I really like gadgets. Mm-hmm. And you know, new new phone come out, I want it. You know, and I honor myself in that way by getting. It, but I had not done like this younger part of it. You know, I'll get myself a iPhone twelve or whatever it is, but I'll honor myself by getting those smaller things. Yeah. And little Scott just lights up. You know, around those smaller things and reparenting my inner child is saying, "Hey, you're free to like that yeah. as well." You don't have to just be a football star, a baseball star. You can like these other things as well. Yeah. And you have the resources to be able to do that for yourself mm-hmm. and it'd be okay. Mm-hmm. And you're still enough if you like this thing that involves gadgets or you mm-hmm. like this thing that you just like. Yeah. And having to make myself carve out a space for me to not be working on being an excellent husband, for me to mm-hmm. not be working on um, taking care of somebody else, but to take my behind outside. And drive this little car up and down the street because it's what I want to do for me yeah. to relax. It's just, it's, it's been great. Yeah. And, and I'm proud um, of you for it. It's just, it feels so special. I was sitting here thinking like, gosh, I wish I had something as cool as that. <laughs> um, but I will say maybe the reason I don't feel as much contrast is there are ways that I think that I've been able to carry this kind of childlike mm-hmm experience or like create Mm -hmm. space for it as an adult. I love games, right? So I'm always interested in playing some sort of game. I have headbands galore, y'all. Matter of fact, like I will get information (laughs) with stuff like this all the time. And um, like little things like that. I still Mm -hmm. like Disney movies and like, so there's still some part of that. I think that, that I honor for me, my stuck places in childhood are like the places that I've made mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not so much as like allowing myself to have this whimsy and wonder mm-hmm. and believe in magic. I think mm-hmm. as a creative, there is just instinctively a part of me that mm-hmm. believes in the magic. It's like when I, when I've like messed up that I've mm-hmm. had the hardest time and I've like been very critical of mm-hmm. my younger self. Or- mm-hmm. And so for me, mine is just different in that um, and there's a, a whole movement around like black boy joy mm-hmm. you know, right? And us being able to see little black boys smile yeah. and it not be out of place. Yeah. For them to be able to find their own joy and for us as men mm-hmm. to be able to experience some level of joy and it not be weird. Yeah. And us not have to having to be stoic mm-hmm. all the time and unemotional mm-hmm. and all those things. And um, you know, the the work that I do mm-hmm. with men in my program mm-hmm. is around like unlearning. Toxic you know, masculinity. Unlearning that mm-hmm. and relearning how to let yourself experience happiness, joy, mm-hmm. sadness, depression, all of those things and and treat them as um, the emotions that you're able to experience as a human being. Self-expression. Right. And um, 
being aware of the emotion that you're experiencing. And, you know, for me, being a grown up and coming into manhood is being able to experience that emotion, whatever it is, and not being mastered by it. Yeah. Not let it set the course for my day. Mm -hmm. But also this small thing that is still um, I still have some work to do around it. Just being able to go out and have some joy, Mm -hmm. you know, that and me not telling myself that I need to have my nephew here to be able to do it, Mm-mm. you know, to have an excuse to be like, I'm doing this for him. No, I'm doing this for me. Mm-hmm. Big grown self outside, mm-hmm. you know, doing this thing that, that I want to be doing that brings me joy. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And no other excuse, no other rhyme or reason for it other than you this is what it. I want. And this is what it. I desire. Mm-hmm. And I want to love on myself in this way. I love it, baby. Amen. True Let's talk about the music for the moment. So appropriate. Mm -hmm. Immediately thought of this song. Like took no no time whatsoever to think Mm -hmm. about it. Back in the day, the remix version that they have at the beginning of the wood, which I also love. Speaking of, wonder if we should start adding movies for the moment because that is a very appropriate movie of like them exploring their childhood and closure on a lot of those things. And anyways, we might have to start movie for the moment. But back in the day when I was. Young, I'm not a kid anymore, but some days I still wish I was, wish a, kid I was a kid again. Felt like, yeah, this is that conversation. Yeah. And um, I don't wish I was a kid again because I really do enjoy the freedoms of <laughs> adulthood. I get Absolutely. to do whatever I want to do and I don't have to answer anyone. But there are moments of childhood, I think, the the, the message here is that some of that, um, the moments that we had when we were children, we can still have as adults, mm-hmm. especially the positive, joyous, magical, whimsical, creative, like mm-hmm. believe in the impossible moments. I think that's important to carry into adulthood. There's a whole psychology around adult play and how mm-hmm. we, we don't have it and we need it. And then also the other part of this conversation is like the the stuck places, the traumas that mm-hmm. our inner child has, like doing the work to heal that so that mm-hmm. we can show up, hold and heal, hold, whole and healed. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and just just being able to um, recognize us, mm-hmm. recognize the the smaller you uh, when you show up, and recognize the fact that a lot of times when the smaller you shows up in your attitude or in mm-hmm. your actions, like that smaller you is like craving validation, mm-hmm. and there's something that I want to be um, in this heal space. I want to be what little Scott needed, mm. you know, and I want to acknowledge that even when he was there, was he, whether he was making a mistake or somebody was, you know, killing his creativity or telling him that he needed to grow up, mm-hmm. you know, and stop crying. Mm-hmm. I want to acknowledge that he was already who he needed to be in that space. Yeah. He was enough then. He's enough now. Amen. Amen. Back in the day. Yeah, beautiful conversation. Definitely one of my faves now. Uh, if you are watching on YouTube, please take a moment to like this video, leave us a, a comment, and uh, subscribe so that you can get alerts on when the next when each video drops. If you are joining or listening from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Pop Podcasts, wherever mm-hmm. we are, please take a moment to rate and uh, follow the podcast as well. We appreciate the support and the feedback to uh, help us yeah, yeah, grow and get better. And like we always say, life is going to life. Life will mm-hmm. always present us with a haze, but we have everything we need within us to navigate through it. Absolutely. And we thank you for joining us this mm-hmm. time. We pray that you'll join us next time. And as always, we're going to navigate this thing together. 
You're not alone. Thanks for joining us. All right, y'all. Peace. Peace.